Hopefully if you're watching this video now, you've already seen the video listed below that I posted to um, the Instagram TV channel. It's from the recent UCLA seminar in early May of this year of our Lord 2019. And in it, um, I put forward an idea, the two pillar hypothesis of narcissism, narcissistic personality disorder formation in childhood. It's too simplistic. It's daft, really. But it gives us a basis for trying to understand a very, very, very complicated um, personality structure uh, that it seems contradictory. It seems um, almost in some senses at war with itself, you know, to the extent that you can argue that really the personality has been so badly damaged it's beyond recognition as a functioning personality. And then you go, well, how is it a personality disorder? You know, you have all of this stuff there as well that's in there. But the two-pillar hypothesis is fairly straightforward. Um, it's an idea that allows us to make simple that which is very, very complicated. And it's just that um, conflicting communications can come in childhood that cause so much distress and so much trauma that not only do the ego boundaries struggle to form, but they actually start to dissolve altogether. And the only way that the child who's trapped in this traumatic set of circumstances can survive is to build um, a fantasy wholesale, whole, uh, whole cloth, um, out of whole cloth, not wholesale, and then choose, choose in a pre-conscious um, uh, state to live inside of it in order to survive. It's a complete fantasy self. Um, and then once they have got themselves inside this little magical box that they've created, this box of perfection that they've created, um, this beautiful, pretty box that they've created, if only they were as wonderful as they would dream themselves to be, I'm sure the world would be a better place. The problem is it's infantile. It's created um, by a child. And so it's boundaryless, not just because of trauma, but boundaryless because well, children don't have boundaries, proper boundaries formed yet. They're only limited by their imagination. So that image, that box, that shell of shame and pain and hatred and despair that's been created then becomes a defense mechanism from the outside world. But it was constructed and designed and architected by a two to three-year-old. So it doesn't function very well. It doesn't stand up to much scrutiny. You only have to pick the box up and shake it and you'll go, this is gibberish. Meanwhile, if you do that, the adult narcissist, whose most vulnerable parts are held within this pretty box will attack you vociferously if you do that because if you pick up the box the image the idealized self and shake it and show how shaky and fragile it is of course they will attack you this goes beyond the concept of narcissistic injury this is more a pre-conscious fight response of extreme aggression that's rooted in a, a survival instinct. You know, you're shaking my box. You could kill me. You could cause everything I've struggled to build from my entire life to fall apart irreparably. It's only because I know that this box, this shell, this painted Easter egg shell that I've made as a child, it's only because I know it's so fragile am I going to defend it 
so vociferously, so viciously, so disproportionately. You know, you jokingly say, uh, the paint on your shell is a bit crusty because it's like 20 whatever years old. And then the person gets very defensive and takes that very personally, even though it's just a joking, not, you know, it was a passing comment. I think that's part of where the hypersensitivity comes in. The um, hypervigilance for being checked, for having that box picked up and shaken, for having that shell inspected is also a big part of the personality disorder as we know. You know, um, it's been said by people who understand narcissistic personality disorder better than I do. It's all about supply. It's all about generating that adulation and supply. And I would say, yes, that's very critical to understanding our interactions with the NPD personality. But I would like to add to that simple rule. I love simple rules, especially in this context, because it really helps. It helps us to get you know, a hold on some kind of a structure where everything is just chaos and it's this one day and it's that the next. And it's, it's complicated. It's highbrow stuff. I'd add to it that protection is big. Extreme protectiveness, extreme hypervigilance, anxiety and aggression are elements of being protective, protective, protective of this pretty shell, this pretty box, which is the false self. I know it is fragile. Therefore, I don't want people poking at it and picking it up. I hold it and I tell you it's amazing. And you nod and agree and applaud and say, well done. That's what you do. If you try and hold it and pick it up yourself, I'm going to get very, very anxious about that. This is where the vulnerability comes in. They can't be vulnerable. This is why therapy tends not to work. Because in therapy, you get to a point with your coach, with your therapist, with your counselor, where they will reach out and say, can you please hand me that so I can see it and inspect it. And it's the most naked you can ever be with another human being your most vulnerable emotions, your most secret and um, private experiences handed over to somebody and they say, I'll take this from you and I'm going to look at it for your good. I need to inspect the injury. I need to inspect where the wounds are here. May I? And for most of us, we kind of go, not very comfortable about this, but, you know, okay. For the NPD, the true NPD, this is, this is impossible. That's the, the, to come back to the two pillar hypothesis, I don't want to cover everything out that was already covered in that Instagram video, you should check it out. Um, that is, is the formation of that. Two pillars, very, very simple. One's good, one's bad. It's splitting, basically. It's splitting, but I've just given it another image. You have parents or a parent who engages in splitting. So they're splitting off parts of themselves, good, bad, and then they're putting that, they're projecting good and bad into the children. Golden child. So I'm highly narcissistic. Let's just do one parent. Let's make this simple. I'm highly narcissistic parent. I have good parts of myself and bad parts of myself that I hate and I'm in denial of. Per per perfection. I'm, a, I'm an excellent piano player. I always was. They said I could have gone to whatever the peak the fucking piano playing Olympics is. Well, I don't know, write in the comments. Piano playing Olympics is in Austria, you red-faced loon. Whatever, you know, whatever it is. So I then, I want to vicariously continue that on through the child, like a, um, admiration by proxy. M the Munchausen's desire for, for vain vanity adulation by proxy through the child. They then become the golden child. I put 
that that which I perceive as being good about me into them and I make them live that and I make them express that. I also have parts of myself that I don't like, that I'm in denial of. I am lazy, uh, prone to anger. I am prone to... Um, to I'm, I'm looking for some inspiration here. To, uh, to break things that, that are of value. Um, I, I'm, I'm absent-minded. I don't take care of things. But I'm in denial of that. So the child who I've designated black sheep, there, there could be more than two children. Like, frequently there are. <laughs> Not everybody. It's like one parent, two pillars... Mummy is this way, daddy is this. It's, it's a framework and it's not perfect. It's too simple. So then I, as the parent, split myself and I become the two pillars and I favor the good pillar is the golden child and the bad pillar is the black sheep. That's how I project outward. What I described in that UCLA video is only what happens to the child is only what happens from their point of view. And the critical element, the one word that is key in the formation of what I believe to be the exploitative predatory stance that the narcissist or borderline or psychopath takes versus that which the fawning, codependent, empathic type would take would be spoiling. There needs to be an element of spoiling there. The two pillars, one could be both parents is abusive and an institution is excessively rewarding spoiling um it could be generational it could be both parents are the grandparents are abusive but the parents financially can't escape so they're compensatory so they spoil the kids as compensation for the bad situation it could be the formation like in the the example i gave in that um video that's in the link below it's on instagram from ucla i said the mum is the codependent the father is the narcissist it's not about mothers and fathers it's not gendered that's just the example i gave there it somewhat accounts for the structure of borderline personality disorder as well what i would suggest is it would be a less simple scenario so in the narcissistic personality disorder scenario you would have a golden child and a black sheep and there'll be like a good parent and a bad parent or both parents are good and the institution is bad or the institution is good and both parents and it'd be fairly clear who's doing what role for borderlines both pillars are issuing good and bad judgments about the child, the object. So the child in psychiatric terms would then be said to be being receiving messages that it is a bad and contemptible object and a good and lovable object, at, not at the same time necessarily, but from the same source. It was massively confusing. I love you, I hate you comes to it at the same time. What is it like to date a borderline? It's push-pull. I love you, I hate you. And the signal is the same. It come, Somehow they pack both messages at the same time. Fuck off and come here. Get the fuck away from me, I hate you. Can't get back here right now. At the same, at the same and I'm using the, the swearing, the cursing, is part of what they do. It's shock. The purpose is shock. The purpose is to discombobulate, is to create chaos. So in the borderline pillars... There'll be multiple messages coming from, from both sides. This, of course, generates more inner conflict because I am good and bad. The narcissist is like, is modeling because our way of loving ourselves, the way our parents loved us is now our way for loving ourselves. For the pure narcissist, I was only receiving love as adulation from one pillar. The other pillar gave me abuse and told me I was a piece of shit. 
they split the good and the bad in themselves. So I learned to split. If you're a parent, remember this. They won't do what you say. They're going to do what you do at the deepest level. That's the most gratifying thing. For the borderline, that's a much more mixed message. It was mixed externally. I was told as a child, you are a lovable object. You are a contemptible object. Come here and give me a hug. Fuck off or I will punch you. As aggressively as that, like way inappropriate levels of aggression and speech patterns for a, for a vulnerable child. That creates the borderline dynamic because I internalize it. I am good object. I am bad object. And the two must fight. When you love me, your love comes through a thick filter of love is also rejection. Because love was given to me with rejection. Two messages were always given by the same person. They might have even been given at the same time or very, very close to each other, which generates huge amounts of confusion in a child. So when you offer me love, it will be interpreted as aggression, which then people will say, ah, this is counter-dependency that you're describing. Yes, this is counter-dependency, which is one part of other personality structures where love is experienced as claustrophobic, love is experienced as judgmental, love is experienced as smothering, love is experienced only ever as manipulation. So you give me love, no matter how pure your intent is, no matter what you have done, said, your history, who you are, it doesn't matter. Because when people give me love, they aggress. When people give me love, they hate. When people give me love, they reject. Where's that from? It's a, it's a, that, that specifically, boys and girls, if you're interested, we're in the engine now, so I presume you're a nerd for the subject as I am. That's PTSD. It won't help you to think of that as CPTSD. We got to start being cleverer with the, with the, the naming and the, and the terminology. That is PTSD. It, of course, is comorbid with CPTSD and it will generate a CPTSD response. But me training you to experience love and intimacy as an aggression is a PTSD response. It's not yet CPTSD. It's just a, it's, you can think of it as literally like one neural pathway. Love is coming in. Hate must be coming afterwards. Oh shit, love is coming in. Oh shit, love is coming in. Oh fuck, watch out. Whoa, here we go. Why? 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 Here we go. Why? Because love is aggression. Intimacy is aggression. Bonding is unsafe. Um, coming together with another human being is where all the terror begins. That's where hell is. And it doesn't matter how much I love you and how much I want you. I'm now the, the I'm speaking as the as the borderline. Uh, it doesn't matter how much I love you and how much I want you. I can't afford that risk. Also, I have a highly active internal and external critic let's go back to we're nerding out this is i know it's it's nerd filled but some of you some of you like it as much as i do there is an ego here the narcissist has no ego just a big bloated super ego the ego is smashed the ego's gone there's just a huge bloated super ego and it's only an outer critic uh, sorry a big bloated super ego is that what i said i think that's what i said a big bloated super ego but it's only pointed outward and it's only an outer critic for the borderline, I nearly said hours. It's a bit of a Freudian slip. Richard finally admitted he was a borderline last night. Um, hours, <laughs> I'm on team borderline. God help me. Um, hours 
would be um, uh, you still have an ego formation, but it's poorly boundaried. In order to function, you have to pull people in and recruit them and bully them into feeling some of your feelings for you and some of the ego functions for you. Um, and the superego is both inner critic and outer critic at the same time. So I'm beating me up and beating you up too. So when you love me, when you share with me, when I share with you, and I want to share with you. In fact, I want to overshare with you. I want to, let's get this fucking love and bonding thing going. Let me tell you everything. Boom. Then I do it. We're on like a countdown time. We're on like the little sticks of dynamite with the string, the fuse, like to when? To the moment the inner critic fires up and it goes, you should, you fucking shouldn't have done that. You know that's against the rules. And I go, oh shit. You are a piece of shit. Nobody loves you. You know the fucking rules. Yeah, I know, but they fucking made, oh, they fucking did it, did they? Let's give them a bit of this as well then. Listen, you, you don't fucking, do you see what I'm saying? People who've, <laughs> people who've dated borderlines, I have. Um, I probably just, <laughs> probably just re-triggered you. <laughs> Sorry, trigger warning. Um, because that will resonate with the experience because you felt, you know, these are like, uh, it's like clockwork. These are the teeth. These are the, the cogs in the machine turning. So we start with something nice. And at the end of the nice experience, you've got to be punished for the nice experience. We start with something intimate, intimacy building. We get closer. We bond. We open up. We become vulnerable and we show love. And then the wheels, the cogs turn. What's next? Inner critic. What's next? Emotional flashback of same shame. What's next? Outer critic. What's next? Emotional flashback of rage. What's next? Uh, gaslighting. Word salad. Uh, you like a salad? You will have a word salad. Do you want vinegar with that? No, it's fine. It is just the despair is tasty enough. Um, and then that's that's what will come next. That will that's what will come afterwards. What I found interesting was the dynamic between two polarities. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope that that was useful and um, I look forward to speaking to you soon.